0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another Grim Dark Tales podcast episode. Uh, I'm Eric. I'm joined again by Jordan. Hey everyone, uh, it's lovely to see you again.
1: Oh me? Yes, you. I'm down. Okay. Yeah, you.
0: Yeah, I'm looking right at you. Thanks. I'm looking at him right now. Um, so uh, last time we talked about just sort of the state of the game. Talked about. Uh, our our thoughts on, on where 8th edition is at right now, where it might be headed, where we would like it to go. Um, and as I said in the last episode, uh, this is just sort of a, a series of digressions, this podcast really. It's just us talking about whatever things we want to talk about on a given day. And uh, we basically have unlimited things that we would like to discuss about Warhammer, so we just try to keep it you know, short to relatively short so that it's a an amount of information you can, <laughs> you can swallow and it's, and it's not yeah. horrible to just listen to. You wouldn't be sitting for days listening to yeah. us talk. Um, so today we've decided um, in the, in the initial video I released for the channel uh, I brought up that um, our, largely the channel would focus around a large sort of sprawling narrative campaign that was just a series of tons and tons of games that all uh, were culminating in this, in this large story that would just keep building and building and have consequences from game to game. It would incorporate kill team and all this stuff. Um, So we've been working on sort of the framework of, this story um, since for for a while now and uh, thinking about incorporating all of the armies we have at our disposal uh, into uh, this campaign. So um, I figured that today we could just maybe take a little snippet out of the framework we've done for the campaign and talk a bit about um, some of the forces that will be involved in, in the campaign um, we'll talk a bit about the Imperium forces today. Um, there's going to be a huge Xenos contingent and we'll see chaos too, but, um, there's a lot of Imperium forces going on here. Um, typically in the fluff and stuff, when a large crusade is launched, it's this huge collection, like this sort of uh, amalgam of, of all these imperial forces on the table that might, you know, you might call it imperial soup but um, that's a very real thing in the in the story a, a campaign is almost never or a crusade is almost never conducted by like a single uh, branch of right. the imperial military um, it's usually this huge collaboration between Astra Militarum, Adeptus Astartes um, the navy we definitely
1: won't be, it's gonna be like fun thematic lists, it's yes. not going to be like three knights and Gilliman or something. Like yeah, that.
0: we're we don't want to yeah. do that. Um, so when we say imperial
1: soup, and that's a dirty word, it is, Yeah, I,
0: I didn't mean to bring up, yeah. some gross stuff, <laughs> I just mean, um, a collection of yeah, different gonna, imperial like, forces combined arms, yeah, combined arms stuff because it's because that is how yeah. the imperium functions, yeah, um, it
1: makes the, the stories so
0: exciting i think exciting. so too yeah and it 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 also you know it gives the it gives character to each army because you have something to compare yeah. it to right um so i figured we would just talk a bit about the imperium forces today i think that's enough on its own we don't have to yeah there's the, a lot to it yeah there's a lot to it so um i guess i'll just sort of i'll i'll rehash the the premise of the campaign so it's going to take place in uh the on the edge of the Damocles Gulf. So that's in the uh galactic uh southeast um of the map. And um there it's sort of where the Tau Empire is, um there's some Necrons down there. Uh it's right on the edge of Imperium space. They haven't quite taken much of that. Um and there were a lot of frontier planets uh when the Tau were first sort of branching out that fell under Tao protection mm-hmm. and there was a lot of, uh, you know, a uh, conflict between who where the loyalty of those planets li- lie. And, um, the, it, the humans that, that lived on a lot of those planets ended up being inducted into the, the Tao, um, empire. But, um, that's all kind of like history. Um, so our, our campaign is taking, Place sort of like right at the the cutting edge of the story as it is right now in the in the the big story of Warhammer um, so it's it's post the great rift that's happened um, and uh, Gulliman has been on his crusade um, he's sort of in the midst of it I think still but um there's uh, basically uh, what happened was in the in the story of the of the Tau, and most recently, they um, they have several sphere expansions. Basically, when the Tau accumulate enough manpower and resources, they decide they're ready for another push out into the galaxy to take more um, territory for themselves. And um, the Tau don't have um, warp travel; they don't they don't commune with the warp, so they're they're forced to travel at a, a slower uh, pace so the Tau get these huge, huge, huge forces ready, and then they push out with these like expeditions that they call Sphere expansions. Um, and uh, they there have been I think six at this point, six or seven or something. But the most recent Tau expansion uh, hit the edge of the Damocles Gulf, and um, when they collided with Imperial forces into Imperium space. Uh, the adeptus mechanicus essentially uh, did some sort of protocol that lit a portion of the galaxy on fire. Like it, Jesus. it created some sort of like artificial uh, warp storm type thing, and the Tau couldn't cross the the trench. So they the Tau were stuck on the eastern side of the Damocles Gulf, and the Imperium sort of isolated themselves on the western side. Um. So, in the process of doing that, the tao sort of uh you know took stock of what they'd uh accumulated during their expansion they they'd taken a lot of planets from the orcs they'd taken a lot of planets from um imperium forces uh you know they're just roving pirate bands of orcs in the in this that portion of space, and then there were imperial planets that they were being held, and the Tau took those um and then in the process of, um, sort of, uh, the, as the, um, Democles Gulf was closed off, the Tau knew that there was sort of, they couldn't advance any further and their forces were spread super thin because they'd reached sort of the end of their spheres potential. So, uh, the Imperium is getting ready to essentially retaliate in a huge way. Um, they had done so i think 6000 years prior or something with the damocles crusade which is where you know the tao and the, the imperium first clashed in a big way and gained a lot of respect for one another um you know the imperium realized the Tower are a serious threat the tao realized they're not the biggest fish in the sea sort of um but this time around it, it's sort of old hat uh, yeah. imperium versus tao conflict and um the Tau essentially had to withdraw most of their forces to more secure locations. So they weren't spread so thin as they prepared for this retaliation, uh, retaliation from the Imperium. Um, but they left sort of a series of like skeletal defense forces throughout um, the outermost planets. So the, where this story is mostly taking place is going to be in the Meritus system, which is, um, right on the edge of, um, the Damocles Gulf and it's a uh, Meritus four specifically is the planet that this is sort of going to open on. Uh, it's the, you know, the set scene. Um, and it starts with, um, the Tau expansionist forces. They left this little crew led by uh, commander Ashwalker. Uh, he's the commander, uh, defending the Tau, uh, held space here and we'll get more into Ash Walker and the other Xenos forces, uh, at, at play here in an, another video perhaps or another uh, podcast episode. But, um, mainly this time we're going to be talking about the Imperium forces that, um, have started preparing to, uh, retake this space from the Tao, um, now that they've claimed it. um, And as I said, it's this huge coalition of many forces. um, And those will be represented by armies that both Jordan and I have. Um, So I'll actually let you start, Jordan. um, And you can start with uh, the forces that we'll be seeing from you in the campaign.
1: Yeah. So, um, and correct me if I get any of this wrong. Yeah, this is sort
0: of... Yeah, we're still like working this out sort of yeah. so yeah
1: yeah uh, yeah you've been creating like the overall world and then I feel like I've sort of been independently developing the stories of these factions that are will then sort of discover who they are yeah uh, through this campaign but the stories of um, the factions I'll be playing which are gray Knights, uh, an Imperial guard army that has Catachans um, and also uh, sort of my own uh, regiment, which is—I uh, actually haven't decided what the like plural of it's going to be—but the world they're from is Vostok, and I've just been calling them like the the Vostok, basically. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're yeah they're represented by um, the Kadian rules, um, and I'll also be playing Ultramarines, which I've—if um, you guys have watched our videos—you've seen some of those models. Um, so the story sort of of that crew is uh, during the Indominus Crusade, uh, Gilman was coming out from Terra, and he sort of collected the Katachins on his way, as they had successfully repelled uh, demons who were attacking. And uh, so my sort of army represents this group of um, the Katachins, the Vostok, and a portion of of the expanded Ultramarines third company, which is all uh, Primaris, um, who were following along with Crusade and basically have reached like the Ultramar sector um, after a series of exploits along the way. Um, and they're also sort of occasionally joined by the Grey Knights who uh, it's a chapter, not chapter, excuse me, a brotherhood that was lost to the warp uh, for thousands of years and have emerged recently because of all the um, warp storms and everything going on. Mm. Um, and they're accompanied by an Inquisitor who we don't know a whole lot about, um, but he sort of uh, began shepherding like this sort of lost brotherhood um, who there's, even though they're Grey Knights and they're incorruptible and all that, there's like a shadow of of doubt upon them because they were lost in the warp for so long and they just sort of appear and help where they feel they're needed. But it's like they're no longer really doing what Grey Knights should do, Mm. um, which is fighting demons. Right. uh, Which hopefully they'll get to do a bit of as well um, because that's exciting. But, so that's sort of the the backstory of my factions is is they're all sort of come together and they're a bit ragtag, mm-hmm. um, but they're led by sort of the overall commander of the whole group is an Imperial Guard commander named uh, Cornelius Donovan. We probably won't see him really on the table because that, like overall the, yeah, warmaster, like the, the whatever, War Master or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't. He would never be on the field. Um, but he'll be. His hand will be in all the actions of the Imperial Army. Um and then he'll you know, he's advised by my primaris captain, I haven't named yet, I don't want to rush that. Um and the colonel of the twenty second um Katachin Regiment, which also includes the elements of uh the survivors of Vostok, which I guess I should talk about that a little yeah, bit as well. Yeah. Um, but the commander of that Imperial Guard group is um, Colonel Gilbert, who you will see on the table. Um, but yeah, so the story with Vostok as well, which is hopefully interesting to everyone, <laughs> is um, it was a, a hive world, which was during the Cicatrix maledictum, attacked by uh, the Death Guard and mostly by like, Nurgle demons. Um, so it was overcome by like this plague, which basically turned everyone into... You know walking pus creatures, yeah. gross. Um, guys. yeah, so only a small amount of the citizens and the soldiers of Vostok survived. Um, luckily, this crusade passed by, they weren't able to really do anything for the world, and pr- honestly, probably weren't willing to stop for like a minor hive world, but they did pick up um, the survivors. Um, so there's some elements of of Vostok in there um, as well which is kind of fun on the table having those yeah. those mixed factions but yeah that's my portion of it and they're going to show up in game sometimes together sometimes separately um, I've got kill teams for all of them done and hopefully soon I'll have uh, 40k sized armies i'm really excited to have developed that backstory so i'm really excited to see sort of how that then starts to expand into this new world
0: yeah yeah uh i'm also super excited to see it i love your whole backstory on vostok and um you've also talked to me a little bit in depth about like specific characters that have been through yeah ordeals which i'm also very excited to see um, yeah play out um are you trying to keep that close to the chest well, secret? Or I mean you... I
1: can talk about I didn't want to talk about like this other thing on the podcast yeah, for this but that's... yeah so I have um a blog where I've sort of just very sporadically um been writing. I've been playing some Kill Team games, we've done one together and mm-hmm. hopefully we'll do do more. Um and then I've done like a handful by myself and I'm looking to, to sort of expand on that. But basically I've been playing these games and using those Events that happen in the game to sort of tell the story of um, an event that happened just before the events of, of our campaign, um, sort of on like a stopover where basically um, some of the guardsmen were on leave on this planet and there happened to be a gene stealer cult um, Uprising. But yeah, if you want to read that, my blog is called uh, Wolfpack. I think it's just like wolfpack 40 WordPress. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I've sort of that's been really fun. Um, and I'm gonna, if I can find the time after I'm done with all I'm gonna go back farther and do some stuff about the fall of Vostok. Yeah. Um, which could be really fun. Or I'd love to do even just like film some of that if we yeah, get, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the appropriate characters for the channel. Yeah. Cause, uh, that's my, my favorite part of why I'm so excited about the campaign is mm-hmm. that like the stories of, the characters yeah it's like that's what makes 40k so fun
0: i know um and i was i'm hoping too that we can incorporate uh some missions that will actually be flashbacks yeah. so that would be awesome for some of the uh survivors of vostok to yeah. sort of remember what happens on that planet and that will whatever happens in that flashback mission could affect the modern yeah. day which is it can not only affect like the composition of the next game but it could it could affect like character interactions and relationships and stuff too yeah. for the future which is really exciting um yeah that we're sort of like role-playing how you know like how these
1: events will unfold
0: yeah um so uh was that it or
1: did you have yeah that's uh that's my sort of the characters i'll be playing the ultramarines the gray knights and the uh imperial guard i think i hit on all the like primary characters Mm -hmm. it's still such a jumble in my head so i hope it kind of made sense to hear um but i'm really excited to start exploring it in some games yes uh, after having spent so much time like writing about it and mulling it over
0: yeah yeah and um on the note that jordan said about um his uh his written battle reports um i've actually written one too uh, in that same plot line, uh, with the um, the Gene Steeler cult uprising that his uh, Imperial Guard experience, um, my Death Watch are also involved in that story, um, and I've written up my own written battle report too. I'm not sure quite how I'm gonna release that. Um, I might just put it on Jordan's WordPress, or maybe um, I do want to have written battle reports for our channel too in addition to recorded ones so um maybe they'll be released sort of separately on different places or maybe we can have them both be in both places i'm not sure we'll figure it out yeah but um anyway that that will be up soon for you to read if you want to along with jordan's are up now if you'd like to start reading them um they're awesome and uh they were some of our first experiences with kill team and they're super fun. It's just, it's been so fun. Like feeling like these individuals matter and naming Mm -hmm. them and stuff. And it's giving them all this character and, and even if they die, it's like you feel, you know, you feel the weight of an individual guardsman dying. It's so cool. Um, so yeah. Uh, so those are Jordan's forces. Um, that are involved in the Imperium side of the campaign. Um, I also have a few forces that are involved. So basically on the edge of, uh, the Damocles Gulf is, um, there's a, throughout the galaxy, there are death watch, um, watch fortresses. Sometimes they're on planets, sometimes they're giant space stations, things like that. And, um... The one on the edge of the Damocles Gulf is called the Eye of Damocles, um, and it's an enormous space station um, that houses the Death Watch in that region. It's sort of a a home base for these uh, sort of roving uh, kill teams to do reconnaissance work, keep an eye on the... It's a very um, busy area for Xenos' activity. So um, they can keep an eye on Tau... Uh, progress. They can keep an eye. There's some uh, high fleets that passed through there. I think two or three even have passed through there that they've kept their eyes on. Um, and there's there's been other activity. The Death Watch are basically in a constant state of of, um, of vigilance uh, in this region. And the um, Watch Fortress is led by Watchmaster Diomedes, who's the leader of um, my. Uh, death watch force. So the death watch begin this story by sort of, um, prepping the, uh, the entire crusade with Intel. So they've spent a lot of the time leading up to the campaign, just doing observation and reconnaissance, um, and leaving some of the sort of spearhead fighting to, the larger forces like the Astra Militarum and the Navy. But um it's getting to a point now where the Death Watch are beginning to prepare for some surgical strikes to actually do kill missions. Um so uh Watchmaster Diomedes is definitely going to be on the field, but um he may be starting out by just sending um uh, you know, smaller kill teams into uh, situations where um, they're, you know, they're retrieving maybe valuable information or they're securing particular individuals and bringing them back for um, inquisitorial, uh, you know, uh, investigation and um, bad things to, to happen. I was to say, them. That
1: doesn't sound. That doesn't sound good. No,
0: it's not going to be good for whoever they retrieve, uh, the death watcher famously, uh, intolerant of, uh, Xenos. So, um, I'll just put it lightly. Um, <laughs> so they, they are going to be doing a lot of very surgical strikes and, um, sort of trying to cripple the, um, defense network that the Tau have put in place, uh, so that it's much easier for the main Imperial force to break through this defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the, the death watch. Um, and there's, yeah, watchmaster Diomedes is their leader. Uh, he has an advisor, uh, who is uh, chaplain Eridus Um, and both of them are veterans of the tyrannic wars. They're both ultramarines, uh, from the original chapter. And uh, so they're actually probably going to have a lot um, of uh, camaraderie with yeah. uh, Jordan's Ultramarines. Um, and there's going to be a lot of communal sort of working together. Yeah. Um,
1: One thing, sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's okay. that I didn't I don't remember if I mentioned it in our last Kill Team Bat Wrap or if anyone noticed, but I introduced um, the veteran character. Mm-hmm. And part of the story I came up with for my Ultramarines, which... I, it maybe it doesn't fit with like the actual game storyline. So sorry to anyone if <laughs> that upsets. But uh, this sort of expanded Primaris third company. Each squad has a veteran in it mm-hmm. who was like an original Astartes who went through this Primaris process. Um, so I really like the idea that it's possible that like they, this Primaris veteran maybe yeah. knows one of these uh yeah they they probably
0: served together yeah um because the tyrannic wars were such a huge cultural impact to the warriors of mccrague yeah and um and there's so much brotherhood that developed out of that but not only that but like i really like you doing that because if anyone would do this sort of regimented way to approach the primaris uh thing i know the ultramarines would do yeah, it they, it feels they, like what they would do. yeah they'd like create this very structured sort of like top-down thing where yeah. it it's the best way to integrate you know these new yeah, warriors exactly. and stuff. they're
1: not leading them yeah they're just there to share knowledge and yeah yeah
0: it's it's perfectly yeah. ultramarine I it's think.
1: like the little things like that that make me want to keep trudging through painting <laughs> i know yeah
0: <laughs> It that's those are the things that get you excited yeah Um, so my death watch army is about halfway painted right now. Um, there are a couple watch captains in there too, who are also named. Um, but, uh, they, the death watch also have in their, in their backstory leading up to this, they've conducted tons of kill missions, like innumerable kill missions in the Damocles Gulf, um, against various forces, including, Heretic forces, not just, um, Xenos because the death watch go where they're needed, essentially. Um, and during one of those, uh, missions, there was, uh, an officio assassinorum temple that was under attack, um, requesting aid and, uh, the, uh, death watch arrived, Diomedes arrived and relieved, um, basically the temple from a cultist uprising and, um, as sort of, uh, to give his thanks and gratitude, the, um, the, the governor of that officio, uh, granted Diomedes a gift in the form of an averser assassin. Um, he doesn't have a name really. He's just like asset and then a bunch of numbers. Yeah. Um, but he's, the aversers are so volatile, he's kept in like a cryo chamber in like basically he's just in the, the cargo holds of um Diomedes uh his flagship for uh this campaign is called the Black Laurel and um the Averser is just kept in a in a basically a cold tube, like in a cargo hold on the black laurel and he's only um he's only taken out for missions. So yeah. uh he's basically dropped into combat zones and then uh told to kill something and he just goes berserk and then he's put back under and he goes to sleep again um but i thought that was really cool that they like you know i, I wanted to add this cool little bit of character that they have this sort of off kilter um assist in the form of an assassin who's usually uh the aversers are usually like an ordo hereticus sort of thing yeah. um But in this case, he's helping the Ordo Xenos in this particular mission. And he has like a ridiculous kill count at this point. Like he's just killed so many, including in that uprising. He's just killed so many things. And Versus have sort of a very limited lifespan because the combat drugs they're on are so volatile that they're essentially just killing themselves as they breathe. Yeah. Um, And blood is pumping. But (laughs) that's why they're put to sleep. A part of why they're put to sleep between missions. The other part is because they'd probably start killing people if they were, um, <laughs> just left there. Cause they're so insane. Um, but yeah, so that asset is, uh, on the black Laurel and he's, he's ready for deployment whenever the, the death watch arm. So that's the death watch. Um, they're accompanied by a couple, uh, um, black star, uh, ships as well. Um, drop pods and, uh, they have drop ships as well, I mean uh, drop pods as well, but uh that's basically how they get around they're they're used to because they're from a watch fortress that is a space station and not a ground one they're very used to um airdrops instead of uh ground ground transport yeah. so they arrive into hot zones via airdrop and then they have air support while they're there, and then they do these really intense uh blitz strikes and then try to extract themselves as quickly as possible um which i think the death watch is just so cool for doing yeah. stuff like that they're like the spec ops of space marines um so that's uh the death watch i'm really excited about um seeing them on the table i have a more of them painted than anything i've ever had painted so that's yeah. really exciting for me yeah um And uh, for any of you guys looking at our social media stuff, you probably already have seen both some of the stuff Jordan's been talking about and um, some of my stuff that I'll be talking about here, including the death watch. Um, The other, uh, one of the other forces that are going to be part of this Imperial force is um, the uh, death Corps of Krieg. Um, They, the death Corps, are, uh, You know, they're in the the forge world side of things, but in the the story, the Death Corps, basically they live on this horrifically irradiated planet that went through 500 years of civil war and they nuked themselves and basically just to prove their loyalty to the Imperium and um, because there was a civil war. Yeah. And uh, what came out on the other side is this sort of barely human, vat-grown army of uh, these insane soldiers who aren't even named and they just have this uh insatiable need to sacrifice themselves for the the Imperium. They're they're sort of uh not even born, they're they're grown with the uh notion that their lives are only valuable if they're sacrificed for something noble. Yeah. So um the Krieg had this insane uh need to uh prove themselves in battle and uh i don't know if you guys know the rules at all of krieg but that's reflected in on the table as uh they're essentially fearless against any shooting casualties they're they don't suffer morale which is amazing that's so cool um but uh and they have a three up weapon skill which is crazy um they're very good yeah they have these signature bayonets they're like sort of famous combat opponents. Um, so this particular Krieg group is the 177th regiment. Um, and, uh, they're called soldats hope, uh, because that was a battle that they fought, um, not on Krieg, but on another planet, basically Krieg soldiers don't spend any time on Krieg. They're grown out of vats and then shipped off to different planets immediately to start fighting. Um, so the 177th was sent immediately to start fighting. On uh, there was a there was an uprising, basically a civil uprising on a certain planet, and they were sent to uh, quell that along with some Astartes forces. I think it was uh, Imperial Fists that I had um, going along with them. And at the end of it, the Imperial Fists even were like so impressed with the the bravery of these guys. Usually, Space Marines are used to guard being scared and maybe even running, and that's even when space marines show up is mm-hmm. uh in those moments to turn the tide. But they were the Imperial fists were sort of uh you know, they were surprisingly impressed by these uh Krieg who just gave no quarter. They're famous for attritional warfare. They just dug in trenches and for years bombarded these these civil protesters and mercilessly just killed them they're not good guys they're yeah. they're essentially just computers that kill things <laughs> like their their brains are are one track completely um they don't really have like a culture you know they don't have art. they're just strictly killing machines yeah um so after that battle they suffered horrendous losses because the civil uprising was massive um but krieg if they're anything they are just they're just you know pushing out men constantly yeah. to ser- to be in the imperial machine of war and um so by the time uh the 177th was ready to leave this planet they were already being resupplied and they already had full forces ready to go for the next mission yeah. which happened to be um they were called they were requisitioned um by the high lords to fight in this campaign yeah so alongside the force the sort of ragtag group of vostok and the Katachan 22nd you said it was yeah um we're gonna have the 177th krieg and they're sort of the you know the hammer of the of the front line that's going to be fighting against the tau here um and then the astartes are going to be more of like uh support and they'll come in at crucial moments to sort of try to break the line or be the spearhead through which the rest of the forces push or whatever. Um, so that the Krieg basically are just famous for being like absolutely dogged, um, attritional fighters. They're obsessed with artillery and they even make extensive use of cavalry, um, which is like, really weird for the 41st millennium, (laughs) but, um, they ride these huge irradiated mutant horse things, which is so cool. Um, and, uh, like I said, the Krieg don't really have names. They don't, they don't share, you know, their personhood with, with anyone, but the, um, imperial fists that observed them in battle named their, um, their leader, uh, father death. It's just a nickname for him because, uh, all he cared about was was causing damage to the enemy in the form of life lives lost, um, and just endless like chemical bombardments and horrific things. He just whatever it took. Yeah, and um, yeah. So he's called Father Death, and uh, he leads this Krieg force. Um, and I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot of Krieg die, but it will <laughs> be uh, probably a lot of enemies dying too. Um, there's just a lot of bloodshed wherever Creed goes. Um, so that's really exciting. And then, uh, the, the last Imperial force in this is going to be, um, the Adeptus Mechanicus. So, um, basically what happened was a call was sent out to, um, sort of requisition these Imperial forces for this crusade. And they got, Specifically, they just called upon whatever forces were in the region mm-hmm. to uh, to help with this, and um, that's sort of how the bureaucracy of the Imperium works. They're just like it's so big; they they just sort of um, glom on everything they can in a, yeah. re- in a region of space, and then they push in for the for the attack, and then they f- usually win because of like overwhelming numerical advantage or whatever. Um, but in this particular case um this adeptus mechanicus uh tech priest dominus named uh cryptus holt is his name he uh sort of came out of nowhere and volunteered for this uh coalition he specifically uh is from uh, Stygies 8 and um no one knows why he's there Stygies 8 <laughs> is on the other side of the galaxy no one knows like the last time that he and his retinue were seen was like on the other side of the galaxy. So no one knows like how he got here so quickly, um, or, you know, anything, but he just sort of showed up out of the blackness of space and said, like, I'll assist you with this, with this fight. Um, and he's not really explaining himself. He's not explaining why he's there. Um, and, uh, his force, uh, specifically his Adeptus Mechanicus that, uh, surround him are, um, a group of essentially, uh, bounty hunters. Um, so, he, uh, Cryptus Holt famously would go to, um, people who are selling Archaeotech, um, anything like old STC, uh, planned schematics or, um, Xenos tech, specifically Xenos tech. He's like really into, um, and in exchange, uh, his retinue would track down dangerous individuals, warlords, whatever, and bring them in dead or alive to these people who had this tech that he wanted. Um, so his force is sort of made up of like trackers and snipers and, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of sniper rifles basically and um a lot of uh um dragoons you know uh, sniper dragoons and um and rangers and stuff it's just all about uh he very quickly tracks down things and he's sort of like once he's on the, the scent he never stops yeah. and he's famously good at bringing back whatever he needs to to get the the tech that he needs um but as far as why he's here no one knows. And um, so basically, I, I just want that to be like a mystery of like, what are his motivations? And yeah. um, he has a very uneasy sort of relationship with the rest of the Imperium forces. No one trusts him. Yeah. Especially the Death Watch. Death Watch and Sigis 8 have like a really bad blood because Sigis 8 famously has sort of like, um, you know, harnessed Xenos tech mm-hmm. and... Uh, Death Watcher, like all Xeno's Tech is evil, and except Phase Blades, except Xeno Phase Blades, yeah, <laughs> they make that. It's in the name. They make that exception, <laughs> um, <laughs> apparently. But uh, anything else, they're very opposed to. Um, and uh, you know, they they sort of think maybe he's like using the web way to get around, or the, yeah. the, the, the there's something he's doing that's not okay. It doesn't yeah. fly with Imperial code and the ecclesiarchy would not be cool with it and um so basically no one trusts him he reeks of um you know uh nefarious things and um we'll just have to wait and see what he's doing there yeah uh but i'm really excited to like tell his story i think it'll be fun but um yeah so those are my imperial forces yeah. that are involved in the story. Um and I'm I'm pretty hyped just like yeah. about writing all these these intertwining stories and writing this really huge sprawling campaign that involves all these people over the course of like dozens of games. Like this is yeah. clearly going to be a very long endeavor. Um with no end in sight. So um and uh it's only going to get more complicated and and uh sort of dense as we go along so i am hoping that that will be as entertaining to you guys as it is to me and uh hopefully you as well jordan
1: yeah i'm really excited
0: um yeah so that's pretty much
1: that's it yeah that's that's
0: those are the Imperium forces for this uh for this campaign and uh anything can change you know there's things can always come and go because it's a it's a live campaign that'll be evolving as as we go but um
1: what eric is saying is if devastator centurions get a points drop in chapter approved we're gonna have to get a kid
0: that's right that's
1: exactly what i'm saying i I knew that's what you're i i
0: appreciate you for knowing that about me Um,
1: I think that's what this has all been about. Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm. So yeah, there it is. And, um, we'll have more episodes like this. If you guys like this kind of content, um, we will definitely, we have plenty more to talk about regarding the campaign. So, um, you know, in the next one, we might go over the Xenos forces involved, um, of which there are several. Yeah. Uh, and it's not just the Tau. So, uh, that should be really fun. And um as I said, chaos will be involved too. So uh we'll have to bring Rick on for that because yeah. Rick's gonna be headlining the uh the chaos stuff. Let's hope he can get in gear and get all that stuff painted. Yeah. Um
1: we all have a lot of work. It's, so, of much. it's so, so much. We all have so much I promise. <laughs> we're working we're trying to get everything painted. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a lot
0: when you have a, a day job and yeah. You know, you're trying to just be a person in the world and then yeah. also paint up so yep. much Tons stuff. Hundreds of toys. Hundreds of little toy men. Yeah. Um but yeah, we are we are very much trying and um we wanna get this done in at least so that this campaign gets started in a reasonable yeah. amount of time. Yeah. Um I have quite a bit of Tao painted up. Yeah. I have good amount of Death Watch painted up. Um, I'm going to try to work on my Krieg after that. I'm going to try to emphasize them as we should be seeing them uh, yeah. pop up on the channel. So, yeah. Um, and Jordan has been busting his butt. I've been watching his models get painted. He's working harder than I've ever seen him work, <laughs> uh, painting these models. And it's, it's awesome to see. So I'm glad that, uh, this is sort of lit a fire under all of us. Yeah. And, um, I'm really excited to see all these armies painted. Uh, it's sort of surreal, honestly. It um, is, yeah. I remember before, <laughs> just a couple of years ago, we were playing on a dining room table with styrofoam, yeah, uh, and unpainted, all unpainted models, yeah, and um, just finding random things to put on the table to be terrain, yeah, and uh, you know, we got our mats from gamemat.edu. yeah, and uh, or EU. And, uh, you know, we got real terrain, and it was like and then we started painting models, and now our tables look immersive, and it's yeah. just it's surreal and, and yeah uh, and wonderful.
1: I'm really excited to make it happen, hopefully everyone else will be excited to see it, yeah,
0: I'm hoping they will as well that that means you listener and and maybe other people that aren't even listening um so that's it for today um. As I always say, we are on all the social media. So uh, feel free to check us out. Um, Maybe by the time this comes out, we'll have a website up. I don't know. Uh, We'll see. Uh, Or or you'll know uh, at at this point. Um, So uh, I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, we'll hopefully be back soon with more content. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, guys. And uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.